Well, can it be true that in Jesus we can simply believe and be saved forever? I mean, surely there must be more to it than that, right? Think in the Old Testament about how people frequently died because they broke some of the many commands given through Moses at Mount Sinai, like the Sabbath, for example. So can it really be that we just believe and we're saved? You remember Moses, right? Here's a picture of some of Moses' moments from the Old Testament. Moses, I mean, he parted the Red Sea. Uh, God spoke to him in a burning bush. He was supposed to be killed when he was a baby. He was rescued and raised in Pharaoh's household. Here's the next picture. And then Sinai, I love one person's rendition of this. This is like Sinai, a mountain on fire then with the Israelites down there at base camp. Moses goes up there, gets the law, come back, comes back, his face is shining. And if you even touch the mountain, you died. In Acts 6.14, people were really concerned about how this new Jesus movement would affect the Old Testament. Here's what Acts 6.14 says. For we have heard him say this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place, the temple, and will, I want you to gasp when I finish reading this, change the customs that Moses delivered to us. I mean, really? We're just going to let all that go now that Jesus is here? According to Jewish tradition, there were 613 rules given to Israel that must all be carefully observed. And the Pharisees added countless fence restrictions around those. One of my professors, when I was getting my master's degree at Moody Bible Institute, went to Israel. They still, so many of them, are so careful to observe the law, the fence laws, and any additional prohibitions that some Jews got on the elevator and because it was a Sabbath, they wouldn't touch the button because it's not allowed to light a light on the Sabbath. It's originally not a fire. Still, there's fear that drives them to comply with the Old Testament Mosaic law. Now, this is where the church crisis comes from today. The gospel is on trial. After all we've been through in the Old Testament, all the restrictions, all the laws, all the people who died because they were careless, is it really as easy as believe and you're saved? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. It is that easy. Let's pray, and then we'll go to the Jerusalem Council together in Acts 15. Oh, Jesus, we pray that you would show us the simplicity, beauty, and power of the gospel. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This we proclaim. Help us to see, grasp, and agree with the glorious gospel today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Acts 15 is where we're going. Let's go change the world is the name of the series. The Jerusalem Council is the name of the sermon. The first missionary journey is over. They're back. And they caused trouble because they went to all these Gentile territories taught them about Christ, got them into the church. Now they're back in Jerusalem, and there's a bunch of Pharisees who are in the church now. Many of them are saved. Some of them are on their way to being saved. 
There's even an indication in Galatians that some of them slipped in to spy. We don't know why, maybe from the, maybe from the Jewish leaders, or maybe they're forming a party, which would eventually be called the Judaizers, uh, that think that Christianity first starts at Moses. And if, if you want to become a Christian, you first have to become an Old Testament Jew. That's what's going on here. Major consequences will come from this Jerusalem council. It could have been a giant church schism right away that split the church right in half. So in Acts 15, here we are. It says, But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now this is saved. All right? Not like it's a good idea to follow some of those Old Testament things. You're not saved. You're not a Christian. You're not in with God unless you take on the mantle of now you're a proselyte of Judaism, you have joined into the Jewish nation and the Jewish faith, then you're officially in. Until that, you're not saved. That's what they were teaching. It says in verse 2, and after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, I'd like to see the YouTube video on that one, no small dissension and debate with them, meaning you're wrong, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. We learn later that these people had gone out and said, oh, James agrees with us. Oh, we're, we're telling what everybody in Jerusalem believes. That's what leads to this conflict, is there's a lot of confusion and clamor. So the first thing you can write down in your notes is this. Some Jewish legalists were adding to the gospel. Some Jewish legalists were adding to the gospel. You must become Jewish or you're not saved. The way to show that you had become Jewish was circumcision came from the Old Testament. That is physically how you demonstrate you are a member of the nation of Israel. Then you abide by the law of Moses. That's what you have to do. They were adding, though, to the gospel. And from the very beginning, it's clear that they were wrong. That they were wrong. So it says in verse 3, being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia, Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. So the Gentiles are being converted, are being saved. These guys show up and say, no, they're not. And they're contending with what God is doing. Then they came to Jerusalem in verse 4, welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders were gathered together to consider this matter. Can you feel the tension? Can you feel the tension? Some Jewish legalists were adding to the gospel. Now let's talk about the flow of argument that comes up. We're talking, this comes up in Romans, this comes up in Galatians. Uh, this comes up in the book of James. This comes up in the book of Hebrews. How do we reconcile or, or accord the Old Testament with the New? Are Christians responsible to do everything the Old Testament says? The food restrictions, the clothes restrictions, and marriages. I mean, is that still binding? Here is how the argument flows throughout Scripture. First of all, it started with Abraham, 2000 B.C. God said, go to a land I will show you, called him out to be his ambassador on earth, made a promise to him that through your offspring all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Here's a picture. This is a Rembrandt of Abraham. 
I don't know how big of a deal you think you are, but Rembrandt isn't going to paint a picture of you, all right? Oh, so Abraham's a pretty big deal. This is the sacrifice of Isaac, and what we see in the sacrifice of Isaac is a father giving his son up, the child of promise. Abraham believed that God had to keep his promise so Isaac would come back from the dead, and then an angel came in and stopped and said, stop, now I know you believe and called it off. What's awesome about this story is this happened right in the region where Jesus would be crucified. Uh, much later, okay, thousands of years later. A father offering his son, the child of promise, right? Where Jesus would be crucified, do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see the parallel? God would offer his son in this spot for the salvation of the world. We see from the very beginning that in Abraham, it wasn't like Abraham was plan A and Jesus was plan W. It's not like God went through all these different ideas and finally got to Jesus. We see that from the very beginning, God had a plan through Abraham to send an offspring, a descendant, a child of promise. It would be through Jesus that salvation would reach the world. Here's why it matters to our debate today. Because Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. God gave Abraham righteousness. Then he gave Abraham circumcision as a physical way of showing that he had been made righteous through faith. So Abraham was righteous before he was circumcised. And Moses wasn't coming along, right, for 500 more years. So Abraham wasn't circumcised, didn't know the first thing about Moses, and he was righteous before God. This is really huge to understand. The headwaters of all those who would be numbered among those who are God's people started with faith. That's crucial to understand. Then Moses, of course, came along. Here's one more picture of Moses. He's amazing, iconic. This is a Michelangelo statue of, of Moses, the man of God, right? How do we not honor what he brought into the world? Um, right? But we understand through Abraham that God's people were never saved through circumcision and certainly not through the works of the law or Abraham couldn't have been saved. It was always through faith, Old Testament and New, and therefore circumcision and the law was a means of showing outwardly that you have already been saved by faith in what you heard from God. It is really crucial that we understand that before we rumble in Jerusalem. It's important that we understand that because now these guys show up and they're like, no, 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 you're not saved. You're not a Christian. You need Moses. You need... And they're wrong. They're wrong. So some Jewish legalists were adding to the gospel. Jot this down. Paul and Barnabas challenged their false teaching. Paul and Barnabas challenged their false teaching. Throughout Galatians, Romans, Hebrews, this is all made particularly clear. But let me share a few verses with you. Romans 4.11, we'll put that up on the screen. Here's what it says. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness, this is Abraham, that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. If you study this in the Old Testament, you know that the physical act was meant to show the taking away of sin. It was a symbol. It was like a, like a wedding ring shows that you're married. It doesn't make you married. So the circumcision was meant to show that your sins had been taken away. It was just a symbol. All right, next verse. We've got 
Deuteronomy 36. And the Lord your God, Moses said, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring. It starts in the heart. So that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. It's a spiritual principle first. And then one more verse. We've got Galatians 3.24. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Oh, the law served a purpose, but we were never ever saved by the law, never ever saved by an external act to the body. It's not possible. I don't know if you've ever appeared in court before. I won't ask for a show of hands. When my hand goes up, a couple speeding tickets, and I've shared this story before, but in college, there I am in court, Bridgeview Court, out here speeding, yes, you didn't have your insurance card. I, I know, uh, don't put me in the orange dumpster, <laughs> got my whole life in front of me, and I was nervous, and the attorney over there looked like he wanted to put me away for life. And he goes, hey, do you have proof insurance? Yes, and I turned it over to him, and for some reason, the insurance company didn't put an expiration date on the card. So he looks at it, looks at me, looks at it, looks at me. He goes, there's no expiration date. I don't know when it started, I don't know when it ends. I'm like, well, that's my whole thing. I don't have anything else to say. I guess I'm going to jail. My mom got up and became my public defender. She comes up to the stand and she looks at him and she goes, I've got everything right here in my purse to show you that we've got insurance and he's got whatever. And then that attorney finally was like, fine. Mama saved me. Now look. The word justified means to be declared right in God's presence. It's a, like a court of law. To be declared right before God. I was declared right because of my mom. Okay, You can be declared right, not because of you, because Jesus is the one who your faith is in. He takes away the wrath of God. Therefore, you can be made righteous through faith. So Paul and Barnabas challenged their false teaching. You're not going to go before God and say, here's all the wonderful things I did for you. It's by grace you are saved through faith. So Paul and Barnabas challenged their false teaching. Write this down. Do you agree that legalism is a false gospel? Do you agree that legalism is a false gospel? In verse 1 they said, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. In verse 5, they said, it is necessary to circumcise them and order them, order them to keep the law of Moses. Do you understand that that is a false gospel? That it is not the path to salvation and works, religious works, civil works, ceremonial works, good deeds, they will never, ever, ever, ever make you righteous before God. Do you agree with that? There's many modern versions of legalism today. Follow these rules. Join this group. Wear these clothes. Avoid these movies. Don't listen to those people. Follow this particular doctrinal niche that I have written books about. Then you're a Christian. And if you're not with me, you're probably not even with Jesus. So arrogant, so pompous, so judgmental. That's the heart of a Pharisee. Don't be deceived, brothers and sisters. Legalism leads to spiritual slavery. Legalism leads to spiritual slavery. You can never earn or work your way to heaven through a spiritual checklist of do's and don'ts. You remember the movie Footloose? Who saw the movie Footloose, right? You're going to have the songs in your head now that I mentioned it. Here's a picture of some of the pictures from Footloose, right? They want to have a party. They want to dance. They want to have a prom. And all the Christians are like, no, Satan's in dancing. And so the preacher has to tell them, 
you know, calm down. They're burning books at one point. And he gets up and he goes, no, 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 no. His sin is not in these books. It's in your heart. It's in your heart. It's in your heart. Maybe you grew up in a legalistic background and you were taught that you are saved if you wear these clothes. Listen to this music. Use this vocabulary because you're doing it all right. False gospel. I hope God frees some people today from carrying around your entire life the feeling that it's up to you. The pride that maybe you have kept enough rules or stayed far enough away from sin that God will accept you. Or the duplicity of faking it and acting like you're something you're not because you know you can't keep that standard. I hope God snaps the shackles off of some people here today and shows them that it has never, ever, ever been about works. From the very beginning, you need the grace of God. You're just like everyone else. That's the best news you could ever hear. Number one, some Jewish legalists were adding to the gospel. Number two, God affirmed the gospel through Peter. So we're following a narrative text here, and the points come from the contours of the text, of course. God affirmed the gospel through Peter. Verse 7, after there had been much debate, so just like make debate noises for a second, like you're really angry about something, go ahead. No, I mean you're really upset, come on. All right, then somebody gets up, somebody gets up. And it's Peter. You have somebody in your family who it's like, uh-oh, what are they going to say? They want to say a few words at the Christmas party, and they've had a few too many. You know, like that kind of feeling. I, I have a feeling that when Peter got up, why is Bassmaster standing up at this important convention about to talk to us about theology? He never studied the Old Testament. Paul is there. The, Phar the Pharisees are there. They've got the robes of their tassels, and they know they've probably got the Pentateuch memorized. And Fisherman gets up. I would just love to be here. I've, I've got something to say. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days, several years before, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. It's Cornelius, remember, it's on the roof, sees the vision, go with these men, goes, goes with the men. Cornelius and his whole house are there, Gentiles, non-Jews. God revealed to them that Peter was his messenger. How did they get saved? They heard the word of the gospel and believed. Okay, he didn't show up with the law of Moses. He didn't say it's time for y'all to get circumcised. Nope. They heard, they believed. Verse 8, and God, he says, who knows the heart... Do you see the dichotomy here? Heart, internal. Knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. They began speaking in tongues, prophesying. It was evident to everyone in the room God poured out his favor on them. Now therefore, verse 10, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. Listen, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. This is one of the most important moments in church history. Peter got it right. And what did he talk about? Not my opinion. I've been following a blogger who has some ideas on this. I went through the scroll. He said, this is what God did. This is what God did. 
So God affirmed the gospel through Peter. Notice the church is not deciding this. Well, let's take a vote. They're tracing God's hand. They're tracing God's hand. And God has already decided it. He saved them. He saved them. So this matter is not up for debate. God chose Peter. God gave him the message. And he gave the spirit to the Gentiles. They are clearly saved. You see how it, they're now wrong, those, this Pharisee group. They're not wrong. And there's Gentiles in the room to say they're not saved yet. They're denying the reality that has been visible to all for years. So this is a false gospel. It's not a gray area. This is black and white. God affirmed the gospel through Peter. Write this down. The Gentiles heard the gospel and believed. The Gentiles heard the gospel and believed. Jesus is alive. They heard it. They believed it. God saved them. He gave them the Holy Spirit. I want to take a moment to appreciate the simplicity of the gospel. Do you understand just how simple the wonderful gospel is? They heard Jesus was alive, they believed it, and the divine presence of the Holy Spirit that has enough power to form the entire universe came to live inside of them. Does that blow your mind? How simple it is, and yet, the transformation that occurs in that moment is eternal. Do you, do you still have a wonder for the gospel? Do you see how free it is and how, how simple? Revelation 22, 17, we'll put it up on the screen. Here's what it says. The spirit and the bride, that's a church, say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take, take the water of life without price. It's free. It's free. You don't work for it. It's a gift. The gospel is staggering in its simplicity, yet its underlying complexity is beyond comprehension. I'll say that again. The gospel is staggering in its simplicity, yet its underlying complexity is beyond comprehension. You have a cell phone, probably. I have one. And I heard an interview with the CEO this week about <clears throat> just how far technology has come. And he said, do you know that in your cell phone, the nano world, the small chips that they make, do you know that there's 60 miles of wiring? and 15 billion transistors. 60 miles of wiring, 15 billion transistors. The complexity behind this cell phone, you will never fully understand. And yet you get a call from somebody who's a thousand miles away and you go, swipe, hello. How simple it is for you to access it and yet the complexity is beyond your ability to understand. Spiritually, it's the same principle. Your point of access to the gospel of Jesus Christ is, I believe. That's it. You don't have to dig into the guts and understand the circuitry of it. But listen, the circuitry, even angels long to look into such things. 
Oh, it's, it's complex and deep. But all you have to do is believe. The Gentiles heard the gospel and believed. Write this down. The Holy Spirit cleansed their hearts by faith. The Holy Spirit cleansed their hearts by faith. Look at verse 9. It says, verse 8, the Holy Spirit, he gave them just as he did to us. Verse 9, and he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. The Holy Spirit coming into the new believer in Christ from the moment of salvation shows that their hearts have been fully cleansed and they are now a dwelling place, a temple of the Holy God. So how foolish it would be to say, no, 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 you've got 500, 600 steps to go. How foolish is that? You need to come with me to the temple. No, no, I'm already the temple of God. How foolish it is. The Spirit cleansed them from sin. One of the metaphors used to alert you to your spiritual peril, and there's many. God sees the heart, and he tries to tell you now, while there's still time, that you're doomed. Okay, you can't do it on your own. And so there's all these different ways he describes what he sees in your soul. And you don't have the technology. You can't reel out, wheel out the machine to see your own soul. You can't do that yet. Oh, it'll be demonstrated in the next life on Judgment Day. But God sees it now, and he says your soul is filthy, and you can't clean it off. Here's a picture of uh, somebody who got filthy. Check it out. Just, just covered in mud. Maybe your kids have been like that at some point. Where did you go? Okay, so that's your soul before Christ. It is filthy. And, you know, your parents would be like, you're not coming in here like that. And then they get the hose out. You're not getting into heaven like that. The Holy Spirit has to cleanse your heart by faith. Do you see how pointless your good deeds are? I'm a pretty good person. I'm nice to animals. I, I follow some, some virtue, and I'm never bad to anybody, and I've served my country, and I do, I do, I do. Do you know what that's called? That's called good personism. Good personism. I've been a pretty good person. Do you know what the Bible says? You're covered in mud. Your soul is filthy. And your best good works are filthy rags in the presence of a holy God. If you're on the, I'm going to do it plan, you're not going to get to heaven. And it's pure pride to think that you can earn your way into heaven. The Holy Spirit cleansed their hearts by faith. It's internal, not external. I love where it says here in verse 8, God knows the heart. God knows your heart. Compound word in the Greek, cardionostes, heart knower. God is the heart knower. I've been to the cardiologist in the past. You had to get some things checked, stress test, you know, wanted to look at this and that. Not pleasant. At the end of the day, he came back, said, you look all good. And I'm like, awesome. I have no idea what you just did. But I trust you. He's the heart knower of my physical heart. When God, who knows your spiritual heart, says, this is what you need, are you going to be like, no, I don't. I'm good. Are you going to, do you see what he says here? Are you going to put God to the test by believing something else? Write this down. Do you believe everyone must be saved by grace through faith? Do you believe everyone must be saved by grace through faith? It is by grace. It is through faith. It's always been that way. We're going to go back here a couple slides to Isaiah 29, 13. Check it out. Isaiah 29, 13 says this. 
And the Lord said, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Old Testament, God was saying, you're, yeah, externally you're saying nice things about me, but your heart is far from me. Is this you? Have you just been a formalist? Have you just been going through the motions? Have you been keeping your own checklist, but your heart is far from God? And here's the next slide. This is what got Stephen killed. This is what got Stephen killed. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you, and they put him in the ground. It's never been about the externals. Do you believe everyone must be saved by grace through faith? Now, the question here is, did Jesus lower the bar when Jesus came along? All right, Jesus is here. Repent, be baptized, believe the good news, and you're good. Did he just lower the bar? Did he just take, we had to do the Sabbath, and we had to do the food, and we had to do the clothing, and we had to do the this, and now he lowered the bar. This new religion doesn't expect people to be decent. Did he, did he lower the bar? Do you know your New Testament? Did Jesus lower the bar? Did he just say, don't worry about all that nonsense anymore? No, what did he say? Unless your righteousness, what? What? Surpasses that of the Pharisees, you can't go to heaven. Oh, he raised the bar higher. Higher than all of their restrictions combined. Which, which prompted people to be like, who, who can get me saved then? Right? That's a dead end. You can't, through that, become righteous enough to go to heaven. And it's never been about that. That's why it's only through faith that you are given the righteousness of Christ as a gift. Christ in you is your only hope of glory. Do you believe everyone must be saved by grace through faith? And here's a shocker, that once you are saved, you are perfectly righteous in God's sight. Do you believe that? You are perfectly righteous in God's sight. The moment you're saved, that's the power of Christ in you. It's incredible. Now this is the best thing you could ever hear, that you can do nothing to save yourself and Christ did it all, but this is also the worst possible news you can ever hear. Do you know why? Because you're hopeless. Do you know that? You can't do it. You have no power to save yourself. You can't do enough good to please a holy God. You can not do it. You're a lost cause. You're doomed in your own strength. And if you don't get to the point where you realize that crushing reality that takes all of your pride away, you're just like everyone else. You're a rescue. God's got to pick you up. You have no reason to boast. No reason to look down on anyone else around you. That's going to crush and destroy your pride, but it's true. It's true. Everyone must be saved by grace through faith. Apart from God's grace, you will be justly condemned and your eternal conscious torment will be in hell. We face our own helplessness here and we have to abandon our self-righteousness. And it says here in verse 10, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? We could never do it. We're going to make them do it? No. We believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will, and the entire assembly fell silent. 
They listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, then James replied. A couple more verses here before we get to James. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. God must do it through his spirit. Romans 3, 23 to 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Do you believe everyone must be saved by grace through faith? So number one, some Jewish legalists were adding to the gospel. Paul and Barnabas challenged them. They continued. It's kind of covered in this point here. They continued through their testimony to challenge this false teaching. Do you agree legalism is a false gospel? Number two, God affirmed the gospel through Peter. Gentiles heard and believed. Holy Spirit cleansed their hearts by faith. Do you believe everyone must be saved by grace through faith? Number three, James showed how the scripture verified the gospel. This isn't this new time religion, right? New song with a new beat that's catching on. No, no, no. This has been the truth all along. He goes on to quote Amos, a couple other places in Isaiah as well. So it says here in verse uh, 13, James replied. So this is the half-brother of Jesus who became a pillar in the early church, wrote the book of James. James replied, brothers, listen to me. Simeon, that's Peter, is related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. Wow, a people chosen of God. And with the, this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, after this I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it. This is Amos 9.11. That the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from old. That's an allusion to, uh, to another book, Jeremiah, I believe. Known from old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. They're turning to God. But should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality, from what has been strangled and from blood. Now, these are provisions for how to get along well in community and how to keep your... Uh, to do things that will keep community healthy. It's all about unity and purity. We're going to cover these next week because that's not the main topic. The main topic is the Gospels on trial. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaimed him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogue. Look, Moses isn't going away. Everyone's going to still hear about him. We're not canceling Moses. But the point here is they agreed that the Gospel is the Gospel and it was wrong to change it. So James showed how the Scripture verified the Gospel. If you read through the entire book of Amos, nine chapters, which I did, God is the hero. He called Israel. He promised. He had a plan through Israel to reach the nations, and Israel blew it, just like the other nations. So he had a plan to reach the whole globe through Israel. So for Israel to now be like, come join us, be like us, join our nation, we're doing it right. No, 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 that was never the plan. Just started there, and it was always meant to explode out. Israel played a special role in God's kingdom plan, but ultimately it was never meant to be about them. I met a guy this week at the Midas where I was getting my car repaired, and he tried to convince me to, come in, to become an anti-Semite. It was a really awkward conversation. I was out in the parking lot, and he saw I had my Bible because I grabbed it out of my car. Uh, I was leaving the car, and he goes, You read that book? You believe it? And he went on this rant about the Jews were never in the Holy Land, and they just want money, and they're out there doing this. And I was like, Whoa! Fella, 
I said, stop. You are not going to convince me to become an anti-Semite. I know very well what God did through the Jewish people. They failed, they blew it, but God used them and a remnant of them to reach the nation. No, no, no. And he let me have it. And I'm just sitting there like, what is happening? So I said, listen, stop. You're wrong. And here's what I did. I said, you're wrong, and you need to stop watching the YouTube documentaries and start reading this book. All right? Get this out. Read this, because God did awesome things through the Jewish people. It ultimately led to the Lord Jesus Christ coming into the world. Get your Bible straight. He didn't want to hear it. So I just had to walk away. Very unpleasant. But you can see how people still, you know, what were the purpose of the Old Testament, the Jews and all that? James showed how the scripture verified the gospel. God did it through Israel, but now it's meant to go to the whole world. So write this down. God's global plan has always been Jesus. Always been Jesus. That verse in Amos mentions, uh, alludes to the Messiah coming. There would be one who would come. God's global plan has always been Jesus. And actually, when he quotes there, known from old in verse 18, uh, that, that comes in Isaiah 45, 21 and 22. Isaiah 45, 22, I love it, says this. Here's what it says. We'll put it up on the screen. Isaiah says this. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God. And there is no other. Awesome. How did the Jews miss that in this debate? Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. So James showed how the scripture verified the gospel. God's global plan has always been Jesus. And write this down finally. We must go and tell everyone Jesus saves. We must go and tell everyone Jesus saves. This is a awesome truth in verse 17 that the remnant of mankind may seek the lord and all the gentiles who are called by my name says the lord who makes these things known from old hey god is calling people from every nation tribe and tongue to hear the good news believe be saved filled with the spirit form churches and then go and make other disciples Heaven is going to be filled with people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. That's incredible. The power of the gospel is incredible. The simplicity of the gospel is incredible. And based on this, we're not going around throwing all these rules and restrictions on people and making them feel like they're beneath us and they, you know, they got to live our way. We are telling them, believe and you can be saved. That's the power of the gospel. I'd love for you to find ways this summer, through our summer opportunities, to get out there and to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. We want to go. We want to tell the world that Jesus saves. Maybe it's at the Hickory Hill Street Fair. Maybe it's at the Orland Fest. Maybe, who knows? But I want you to find ways to go and to share the great news with people that if they believe, they can be saved forever. Hey, let's go to the Lord in prayer and invite Him to make us Missionaries who go out and share the true gospel with all around us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the text today where the gospel is on trial. Can it really be, can it really be, can it really be that we simply believe the good news about Jesus and all of our sins are washed away forever? Glory to God. Can it really be that we hear the good news we believe Jesus died, rose again, and that the Holy Spirit comes to live within us and makes us a temple of God.
Can it really be that we could be sealed forever in a moment, promised paradise, just like that thief on the cross who had no ability to do one thing to please you? Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Lord, I just pray here today, in particular for anyone who maybe grew up in a legalistic environment where there were a lot of do's and don'ts, a lot of rituals, a lot of, a lot of boxes to check, and maybe they feel like they did it and they've been walking around in pride, looking down on people, and maybe they realize their heart is cold and that they've been trusting their own works, arrogantly looking down on other people who are getting it wrong. Oh, Lord, free them. Free them from spiritual slavery today by grace that we are saved and others. Lord, maybe there are people here today who this is what drove them away from the church. They realized they couldn't keep up. They realized that they didn't want the shame and the guilt and the condemnation, feeling like they were doing everything wrong. Lord, show them that it is by grace that we are saved through faith, and then we are freed to follow you. We, we obey you out of love then, not out of fear. We reach others in love, not out of anger and arrogance. Lord, purify our hearts today and blow us away again with the simple wonder of the gospel. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.